It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday Your favorite podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass My name is Scott Williams, my co-host is Jeff Trailer. Hey Jeff Hi Scott how are you? I'm great, man. We're back at it. We're recording a podcast. We're back. Yeah. Like, people have wondered where where the heck and we've been. Indiv- singles and singles of people who've been asking me, when are you going to record this podcast? Again? Yeah. Um, no, but I think the few times that I have mentioned that we were getting ready to start recording again over the last few weeks, uh, people have gotten very excited and that it's coming back. And that's a humbling thing to hear from people. Super humble we are. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Yoda. <laughs> 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 Super humbled we are. <laughs> Star Trek gets me every time. Uh, <laughs> well, there goes half our audience. Exactly. <laughs> I did that on purpose. Uh, speaking of sci-fi nerds, one of oh my, f- my gosh, <laughs> friend of the podcast, Father yes. Peter Marshall. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Excellent. I was uh, last week. I had to do some traveling for work and uh, went to go listen to All Set for Sunday, and I was like. Why does it say Easter Sunday is the last one? Yeah. Yeah. I was doing some traveling as well. And, you know, like when you listen to a podcast and then it's over, and you don't have a new podcast in that one, then it goes back to like another one that you used to listen to. I kept on like hearing the same 15 minutes of Easter. Uh, right. <laughs> like I'd come back and I was right. like, oh, that was a good day. That was a good day. <laughs> was a good day. Uh, I like that uh, Father Peter presented that he was traveling and listening. And instead of saying last week, I was not prepared with a homily, and so I right. went to find your podcast, and it wasn't there. Well, we're back for for everyone's uh, we're here to help listening you this pleasure week, and making sure that your your homily is is awesome. Excellent. Um, solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ is what I've got. It's down. Corpus Christi Sunday. Oh, that's what it is. Um, you want to do the two minute drill? I would love to. Uh, Two-minute drill here. Our first reading comes from Genesis. This is a bold statement for me to make, yeah. but I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. We're going to start talking about Melchizedek. I think that might be my favorite name in the Bible. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of really crazy, fun, mm-hmm. weird, strange names in the Bible, but, like, Melchizedek, I like it. I like it. So, he was the king of Salem, and Melchizedek, in, in Genesis here, brings out bread and wine as part of a traditional meal and praises uh, Abraham and he blesses Abraham says to be, or bless him by God, the most high and, and offers this up. But I think this is obviously Corpus Christi Sunday, solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ. It's good to see like, okay, where does bread and wine first enter uh, things? And it's Genesis chapter 14. That's where it comes in there. So, um, and then in as thanks for that, Abraham gives him a tenth of everything, which like, that's that's a heck of a tip for bread and wine. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying that must have been some great service that he got there, but also the origins of tipping. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> or tithing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Whatever. I guess that's a good point. There's that. This is why we bring you in. This is why we bring you in. You're supposed to save oh. that for the oh, did Jeff get anything wrong right. segment of the show. We'll Actually, maybe we could revolutionize fundraising in parishes if you just said, hey, please tip your staff. Right. That's <laughs> true. I mean, people tip, I think, better than they tithe. So. Yeah. All right. Um, I would starve to death. Because <laughs> your service would be poor. <laughs> if I was reliant on tips, I think I would. Um, speaking of Melchizedek, one of my favorite psalms. Uh, oh, it's right here. Yeah, it's not. I wouldn't call it a banger by any stretch, but uh, it is one of my favorites. This I, the the phrase "You are a priest forever" in the line of Melchizedek, which I'm going to come back to ask questions about later. But I just have always loved that statement. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it always. Why do you think it's, it's so beautiful? I think it's from uh, the breviary, and like when that when this psalm cycles its way through, it's always put just a special place in my heart for the priests I know in my mm -hmm. life. And it always, anytime I see Melchizedek, I think of this Psalm and then I pray for the priests who I know. And so it's a nice little emotional moment. Cause father Peter's one of those priests. I like him. He's sweet. So yeah. And even the ones who I know and like make me grumble under my breath, I still pray for them there too. So because they're necessary. You what? It's, it's just and right. Oh, thank yeah. you. That too. Um, say that in Spanish. We see. <laughs> it's a Spanish podcast now. We're really mixing it up. We're coming back in multiple languages, everyone. All right. Uh, second reading comes Almost. from First Corinthians. <laughs> from First Corinthians, uh, and there goes another third of our audience. Uh, First Corinthians chapter eleven, um, and we start to see. Well, we see the verbiage here from the consecration, from the celebration of the mass, um, in in these words, because in here we see. Uh, Paul quoting uh, what Christ shared with them at the last service, saying, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also the cup after the supper, saying, this is the cup in the new covenant in my blood. Do this as you... So this, it's obviously the phrasing we hear in the Eucharistic prayers, mm -hmm. we hear in the celebration of the Mass. Um, exciting stuff. It's a good theme for, you know, Corpus Christi Sunday. Um, and then... Yeah, we got a sequence. It's a sequence alert. We're excited, and this is this is a sequence, but there's a short form of it. Um, and so, do we want to read the sequence? Is that going to be a part of your preaching this weekend? It's not going to be a part of my. It's preaching. always my hope that a priest will preach on the sequence, and they never do. Is that even allowed? Yeah. Okay. Based based on my experiences, you can preach on whatever you want. So. Um, oh, that's not true. Oh, I heard I heard a homily about the White Sox and the Cubs last weekend, Father. Oh. So. It wasn't the whole homily. It was just the finish, like the wrap up. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I was in Chicago. Ah. Then we have our gospel reading. Uh, the gospel. Uh, I did not summarize the sequence, by the way. Um, That's okay. There's just there's a there's lot, lot of there. It. Yeah. There's a lot there. So pay attention to mass, and then you'll hear it. If hopefully they'll do it. Hopefully. They have to do it, right? Yeah. Well, they should do it. If not, you should raise your hand in the middle of mass and say, "Excuse me, Father. <laughs> can we get that <laughs> sequence get real fast?" <laughs> um, the gospel is Luke chapter nine. 11 to 17, Jesus spoke to the crowds about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed to be cured. As the day was drawing to, to a close, the 12 approached him and said, dismiss the crowd so they can go to the surrounding villages and farms and find lodging and provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. He said to them, give them some food for yourselves. They replied, five loaves and two fishes are all that we have, unless we ourselves go and buy food for all these people. Now the men there out... They're numbered about 5,000. 
Then he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. They did so and made them all sit sit down. Then taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing over them, broke them, gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. They all ate and were satisfied. And when the leftover fragments were picked up, they filled 12 wicker baskets. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, thank you, Scott. Uh, Father Marshall, any, any, anything that Jeff got wrong? Anything we need to correct? Um, other than tipping? Right. Yeah, no. Okay. No. Is our sequences required? Uh, the Easter sequence is required, and the Pentecost and Corpus Christi sequences are highly recommended. Got it. I'm a big time sequence guy. Yeah. My brother-in-law is he more of a bedazzle guy myself. <laughs> <laughs> don't you bedazzle with a sequin? I don't know. I, no, I think, I think that's, that's no, like rhinestone. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. More of a rhinestone. Oh, father guy. knows about bedazzling. Sorry. Um, so, no, my brother-in-law is, is big on like, just take a random thing and he'll just say, Oh, I'm a big time cereal guy. Huge bottle rocket guy. These are phrases he says all the time. But I think when it comes to the church, like I'm a big time sequence guy. I just love a good sequence. I think they're beautiful and exciting, and like, and it's and it's like and it's they're kind of weird. Yeah, like, like a different weird. They're like suddenly. Yeah. I'm super yeah. weird, so this makes sense. It's like another responsorial psalm. Yeah, uh, kind of thing. So yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, what are you preaching on this weekend? Are you preaching this? Weekend? I'm not preaching. Oh this come on! <laughs> so. Uh, What's Deacon Dave preaching on this week? Uh, Brother Deodatus, oh. who is a uh, Tanzanian uh, member of the Order of St. Benedict. He's been studying for the last several years at St. Minard Seminary, mm-hmm. and he's a, assigned to us for the summer. Uh, and he is preaching uh, this weekend. Uh, he has is to, he a deacon? He's a deacon. Okay. And so he has to preach a, a certain number of times over the summer uh, to fulfill the uh, his, course requirements. His, his deacon internship requirements? Right. Yeah. Got it. So uh, so he's preaching. Um, I, am, I, have, I have a wedding Saturday, and then I've got mass at the parish Sunday morning, and then I'm going down to MC one of the masses at the cathedral Sunday afternoon for the uh, kickoff of the Eucharistic revival uh, before the Eucharistic procession through downtown. So, cool. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. Well, See, the- theoretically, if you if you did have to preach this weekend, love it. What would you? Because <laughs> saying this, you're going to hear. That means you're going to like you're going to preach at a wedding, but then you're going to hear, brother Deodatus. Brother Deodatus. What a name. That's a right. That might take over Melchizedek for me. But uh, you're going to hear brother Deodatus preach. But then um, presumably you also hear the archbishop yes. preach. Yeah. Um. So yeah. What do you, what do you think they'll preach about, or what what do you think they should preach about? So. One of the thoughts that I really like, like the Eucharist is preeminently the sacrifice of Christ on the cross represented, right? And uh, it preeminently is the uniquely real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. But the readings also present that the Eucharist is also food, it's, it's sacrifice and meal. It's, uh, you know, we have that gospel reading where we don't repeat the Last Supper, but rather the miracle of the loaves and fishes where Christ is 
feeding people and were, were presented with that as a symbol of the Eucharist. Okay. Uh, and a, a foreshadowing, if you will, of what is to come. But it's linked in with our everyday physical needs. And that's why we say, you know, the Eucharist is food for the journey. It's, it's to nourish us spiritually, but uh, more than just participating in the sacrifice, if that makes sense. It does. So what does that mean, though? What's the punchline? Well, I think, I think then we look at... Not that it's a joke, but like... <laughs> we look at God inserting himself and elevating our human life. And so when we sit down as families or even as friends and, and eat and drink, we are symbolically looking at the Eucharist there. What... The, the, the nourishment that God provides for us and the bonds of unity and peace that his spirit grows w within and between us, uh, God is elevating our life, preparing us for eternal life with him, the perfection of these things that right now we participate in symbolically and, and in shadow. Got it. Well, I mean, there, there is something... I mean, there's something to be said about meals. Like, yes. there, for whatever reason, and, and you think to yourself, like... I'm a big fan of meals. What? Oh, big time meal guy. Yeah. Right. Big, huge I'm a meal huge guy. Meal. Huge meal guy. And also a huge guy. And At also meals. huge meals. <laughs> right. So, like, all of that together. But, I mean, it, it really is where relationships are are formed, yes. nourished, and, and, and grow, which seems to be kind of like an odd thing because, it's like, you're just constantly shoving things in your mouth. Right. But it seems like somehow you're still able to, ha to have a conversation. I think, like, to the dentist, like, the dentist has his his or her hands in your mouth and, like, trying to have a conversation with you. I feel like that's similar to, to, to food time. But, but somehow, like, it's very different because because that's where, like, relationships really grow right. and mature. And I think to myself, the times that I have, have gone on retreats or led retreats as a, as a, you know, youth ministry person in a, in a past life, meal times seem to be a time where people just deepen relationships. And as you, you notice, like they'll, go, they'll start at different tables, but then on the last day of the retreat, somehow they've made this large family table where they all want to be together as, a, right. as, as, as one. And similarly, like that's where, you know, my wife and I catch up on our day where we spend time with friends and date nights and things like that. The, the, the bulk of things that are really important happen at meals and no differently in our faith, like the last supper, like, right. I mean, we, we truly as a culture plan our day around meals. Yes. We, we build around it. And I know that even not just for the nourishment side, but I think the gathering piece is important. I, when we, when my wife and I were first married, I would ask families, couples, people for advice on raising a family. We knew that we were, my wife was pregnant. We were having, you know, not when we were married. Don't, don't do it anymore. Yeah. What? Don't do it anymore. Got it figured out. I probably don't do it as much <laughs> as I can. The conversations I have now are about like where I'm at, the stage I'm at in my life now yeah, and, sure. and other, where other people are. But when I ask them like, what are key things to building a good Catholic family? What are those key things? And I'll never forget families, uh, the Hartleys, uh, a family that, that Scott knows, but um, and others as well saying, get like, sit down for meals together, yeah. mm -hmm. make it happen. No matter what. I know a wonderful family, um, who found that like with their kids schedules, it became so chaotic to try to sit and eat dinner. So they would wake everybody up early and have breakfast together. Yeah. Like, same, yeah, the Lawrys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same, same concept, same idea. Just like 
the, the importance of we're going to do this together yeah. once a day. We're going to get together, talk about our highs, our lows, like share with each other. And like I can build relationship with people after mass, uh, when I run into them around the parish at various activities. But if somebody invites me over for dinner, that's where I really get to know folks, right? Right. Uh, it's a completely different dynamic. Well, you can't be transactional during a meal. Right. And, um, but I, I do, that was good. I do wonder, and it makes me wonder, like, and maybe that's the reason that statistic says that so many Catholics don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist is because, I mean, at mass, it somewhat feels a little transactional. You get up, you get in a line, you walk up. Um, what are like, what advice do you have to make the Eucharistic experience less transactional? Yeah. Uh, great question. I think, and I um, felt weird asking that question and I felt weird saying that statement, but does that make sense? Is that like a legitimate? No, does. I think, process? Yeah. no, I think you're, you're nail on the head about like the difference in attending mass and participating in right. mass or the, the difference in. Are you showing, like, showing up's the first step. Man, this is a good podcast. how do you engage? Heck yeah, we got is. a really good thing going here. We should, we we should, should have been this doing this this whole time. <laughs> Help. Um, uh, the, this is what I would say. Lots and lots of saints have written really great prayers f to pray before receiving the Eucharist and after receiving the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And I would Google that. Prayers for before the Eucharist or prayers for after the Eucharist, and see if you can find a short one, print it on a little card, carry it with you, and you know at the beginning of Mass pray a prayer before the Eucharist. And I know like you got kids and they're jumping around, so find a short one. And then after Mass, when you get back to your pew and I'm purifying the vessels and there's that silence there. Mm -hmm. Pray a prayer. Uh, they're they're almost all gratitude prayers, but pray a prayer after. It just helps us focus on what we're actually doing. Yeah. Right. Um, I know you have a you have a book now that tells you all the prayers to, to say. But what is before you were ordained? Was there a specific prayer that you prayed? I. Uh, no, but I always, I always prayed a prayer. Uh, I always prayed in anticipation when I arrived at, at mm -hmm. the chapel or the church, and then always a prayer of thanksgiving afterwards. Yeah, I, I remember um, uh, Father Father Patrick Beidelman. He never, never heard of him. Never never come on the podcast, but uh, I think he's been invited. Right? He was invited. He told us. Uh, to check back in a year. In a year. Um, it's probably been a year since then. It has. So we can check back in with him. He doesn't... He's, he's, I mean, he's kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we have to worry about him listening either. So. Uh, um, I would say that I mean, he, he does have a gift for preaching. And and one, one homily that he mentioned, and it's something that has stuck with me for a long time, is that we, that we the faithful, um, have an active participation in the offer, like the offertory. Yeah. And when, uh, when like, when the priest is doing the, I forget what it's called, where you <laughs> break a little piece of the Eucharist off or the bread off and right. put it into the, the, commingling. It, the commingling, um, that can be a time where you bring the things that are on your heart, your mind, uh, in your family and whatever that struggle is, whatever it might be, you put that into, 
into the cup too. So when I preach on that, I say, as you watch the gifts being brought down the aisle, mm -hmm. put it right there. Sure. Right. So that it's brought up to the altar. It's consecrated. It's everything. Because I think when we put ourselves, this is, this is the spiritual reality is if we give ourselves to Christ, then we can be transformed into the presence of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's different than the unique presence of the Eucharist, but it is similar in kind that because we are members of the body of Christ, we too can be transformed. Our hopes, our sorrows, our fears, uh, the, the pain, whatever it is, can be transformed by intentionally placing it on the altar. I like it. Let's transform this time because we've, we've hit our, our time and it's now time to get to dumb questions. All right. It's time for Jeff's Dumb Questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. Jeff, take it away. I will. All right. I have two two dumb questions for you, very different directions. All right. One one comes from a listener. Okay. Be excited. <laughs> if this is about camping, I'm quitting. It is not. Okay. It is not. Um, <laughs> you might still quit. But first, my first one comes from me. So, as a priest up on the altar, I would imagine there are things that could be very distracting. He doesn't get on the altar. <laughs> Sorry. In, In the, the sanctuary. sanctuary behind the altar. That's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> right. I mean, I'll bet somebody has. Um, when, when you're up there celebrating mass, I imagine there are things that can be very distracting and right. that's gotta be a huge challenge. Cause like, we need you on point. I need the right. best of you. Like right. as a, as a person attending mass, I need the best of you right there. But something that always catches my attention is when I see members of the congregation mouthing the words of consecration. Oh yeah. Like just talk, speaking along with you sometimes like eyes closed very passionately. A is that okay? <laughs> and B, how do you feel when you see that happening? Because you have to. So I will, I will admit, I, I don't notice it as much as a priest as I did when I was like attending mass. Um, I think that comes from a good place, but it's a misunderstanding of the universal priesthood of believers. That there's a distinction there. Those are my words. Uh, because of ordination. And, um, you know, I encourage you to be praying the Mass, but not in a way that could cause confusion or distraction to, to people. That's good. Yeah. That, that was a kinder answer than I had. There you go. Can, you, can you elaborate on those, like, those are your words because of ordination? So because I am an ordained priest, set aside from the order of Melchizedek in the order of Melchizedek there you go uh, not on set, set aside <laughs> from the universal priesthood of all believers I'm given a particular role responsibility and and honor to say the words of consecration they don't belong in the same way to the universal priesthood cool cool all right second question second question comes from uh, Maria Crash uh, okay. listener. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, and employee here uh, at Catholic Concepts with us. Uh, Maria was asking this question today, and I told her we were doing a podcast, and so we would ask. But uh, you know of St. Lucy. Yes. So you know that. With the candles on her head. Well, that's, so this is part of the question. So traditionally, places, schools, sometimes or younger, like communities with their kids will celebrate St. Lucy Day. They're just in white dresses. They wear a red sash. They, you know, will process with the candles on their head. The question was like St. Lucy, we know St. Lucy like gouged your eyes out, right? Right. But like the candles on their head and the procession, like, do you know where that comes from? Like, is that a thing? And I ask you because I specifically said, hey, we're recording this podcast with Father Peter today. And Maria's, and I quote, said, well, he was probably around when St. Lucy was. So we'll see if he (laughs) knows the answer to this. So sister of your classmate. See, um, I, I, it never fails to amaze me how bitter people can be towards me. Uh, the, uh, I was not around when St. Lucy was martyred. Uh, I, my understanding is that's a, a Swedish or a Scandinavian custom, the candles on the head, and uh, that um, it's, it's part of their kind of holiday traditions, uh, St. Lucy. Huh. Yeah. Good for you for knowing that. I thought I thought you were going to be mad because that was like a way out of so nowhere. Here's but. one of the unsung benefits of celibacy is Wikipedia rabbit holes can go on for forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's I can't I can't top that. That's fantastic. Right. And that's, that's where good. Scandinavian lighting there came from. Go. Yeah. Where what? Scandinavian lighting? Yeah, isn't that like a uh, chandelier company or something? <laughs> I think you're probably right. (laughs) Well, that's all we got today. Bye, everybody. (laughs) It's all right, cause I'm a sepulchre. It's all right, cause I'm a sepulchre. It's all right, cause I'm a sepulchre Sunday.